You're listening to The Sport Market, the stock market of sport. Here's your host, Tom Mayonect. It is Hockey Day in Canada from coast to coast to coast, anchored in Victoria, British Columbia, featuring four, four games involving the group of seven, the seven Canadian-based franchises. We're welcoming the Boston Bruins to the Hockey Day in Canada party. Of course, they, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, spoiled a Hockey Day in Canada party that the Vancouver Canucks were hoping to throw in Vancouver. Uh, instead, things got a little bit ugly, including the 4 nothing score, the Bruins winning the Cup in 2011. Uh, certainly, Montreal Canadiens, also big rivals of the Boston Bruins. That's who they'll be playing tag with today in one of the uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 o'clock Pacific starts on Hockey Day in Canada. Uh, You've also got the Winnipeg Jets traveling to Ottawa to play the Senators. Uh, Jets, one of the best teams in the National Hockey League this first half. Uh, They're basically at 62 points and playing real well-balanced hockey under head coach Rick Bonus. Head coach Rick Tockett has got the Vancouver Canucks really performing well in a way that is still defying the expectations of so many of us who were expecting a cusp team, if that. But instead, they've got 64 points, the best record in the National Hockey League, and they are at 30 wins at the earliest stage in a regular season in their franchise history, which is saying a heck of a lot. And, and Rick Tockett deserves a heck of a lot of credit for what he's done in terms of not only getting the most out of his players, including ensuring that his best players on most nights, if not all nights, are his best players and getting a lot out of the third and the fourth lines, the bottom six forwards. He's just pressed all the right buttons and that has, you know, put the Canucks in a situation where they're hosting the Toronto Maple Leafs today, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 o'clock Pacific, as part of Hockey Hockey Day in Canada and it should be an electric atmosphere. There's obviously going to be a fair share of Leafs fans in the building. The Leafs Nation does travel very well. But no one, I think, planning Hockey Day in Canada would have thought that at this stage you'd have as many Canadian teams doing as well as they're doing. And you've got four of them, four in divisional playoff position, not just the Canucks who are number one in the Pacific, number one in the West, number one overall, but the Winnipeg Jets right behind them, just a couple of points behind. Then you've got the Toronto Maple Leafs who have been holding down a divisional playoff position for most of the season. They've had a real tough start outside of the win in Calgary. They've had a real tough start in this Western Canada swing that has created quite a traffic jam around the 50-point mark. So they're not home free by any uh, estimation, but they're still in that number three position in the Atlantic. They're in a divisional playoff position. And then the Edmonton Oilers, after a ridiculously bad start, are now in divisional playoff position. 
not the second wild card, not the first wild card, but in divisional playoff position. That's how dramatic the turnaround has been under new head coach uh, Chris uh, Knobloch. And listen, those of you following the show, you know that I'm not a fan in general of midseason coaching changes. I think they work out less often for the mid and long term than more often. But in this particular case, how can you deny that the Edmonton Oilers aren't a completely different team with Knobloch coaching? It's it's an unbelievable turnaround, and it's all part of the narrative. It's all part of the dialogue on this hockey day in Canada. And don't count the Calgary Flames out. Yes, they lost to the Leafs, but they've they've been playing some of their best hockey of the season. And I would have thought, okay, the over-under is four. If you get to four Canadian-based teams in the playoffs, you're giving your rights holders, your Canadian NHL sponsors, uh, your merchandisers, uh, pubs and sports bars throughout the country, you're giving them quite a bit to work with if you get to four of seven. But five of seven would be an absolute, an absolute joy for those stakeholders and certainly for hockey fans from coast to coast. And that hasn't happened for more than a decade to have five teams. Used to have it back in the early 1980s where I think you had seven, if not eight. I think there was one year where there was eight, all eight Canadian teams. Of course, that was in the era of the Quebec Nordiques. I'll have to double check there, but it was at least seven uh, one playoff year that I remember. And on the business side, just that kind of uh, weight, that kind of clout, that kind of uh, presence that's brought during the month of April with at least four Canadian teams in playoff position, you can't put a price tag on it. And it still shows as we celebrate on this Hockey Day in Canada that despite all the popularity of the Toronto Maple Leafs of Major League Baseball, the 2019 championship and the growth of basketball in Canada, tremendous growth of basketball performance and participation since the Raptors won the Larry OB. And certainly NFL football and CFL football really having strong constituencies. But hockey is still number one in our DNA the business numbers, the franchise valuations of the industry as pillars of the industry all bear that out. And it's something to celebrate this day. We'll get, uh, before the end of this hour, we'll get to a sort of a personal connection with the concept of Hockey Day in Canada. Uh, we'll save that for the end of the hour. We're going to be joined by Dick Zokel of the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame talking about Sunday Red what looks like Tiger Woods' new apparel line in partnership with TaylorMade. We'll break that down with Dick Zockel. We'll also be joined by Drew Dorweiler of IJW & Associates. He's the country's preeminent sport business valuator. We'll ask him about Houston. Is the Houston pursuit back on for Jeremy Jacobs and uh, other governors who are running low in their patience when it comes to the Arizona Coyotes playing before between 
four and 5,000 fans at Arizona State University. We'll get into that with Drew Dorweiler. We'll also have our penny stocks, some of the smallest sport business storylines that can make it to the big board, and we'll be joined by Torben Rolfson for the Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport, a lighter side take on the business of sport. But we'll begin with our podium. Now, with the top three sports business stories of the week, here's the Sport Market Podium, funded by Alpine Credits. Own your home and need a loan? Homeowners get approved. Apply now at alpinecredits.ca. For background on the stories, go to thesportmarket.biz. Just off podium, Mallory Swanson becomes the highest paid team professional sport athlete in the United States and in North America in signing a $2.5 million deal over five years with the Chicago Red Stars of the National Women's Soccer League. It's yet another tipping point moment in terms of the business side of women's sports justifying long overdue increases in salary. Uh, This is pretty big stuff to be making 500K a year. In the bronze medal position, a number three sport business story of the week, Amazon Prime, essentially coming with a solution, coming to the rescue of Bali's and the Diamond Sports Group. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Diamond has been under bankruptcy protection, uh, all kinds of concerns about that entire infrastructure collapsing. But because of the partnership with Amazon, it might have some new legs. Now, Bali Sports says, hey, this contract's knife, the new ones aren't even in place. They're not official yet. So we want to terminate them. NBA teams are probably going to be upset because they already went out and struck new deals with um, some over-the-air television companies and even aired some games already on over-the-air television. That new contract allowed them to air 10 games on free over-the-air television and local TV stations in the markets. Now with this, um, Valley Sports says, hey, we, we want to terminate that. So I suspect that um, NBA and NHL may not be too happy with this new contract. We'll have to see what Major League Baseball, none of this set in stone. The judge has to approve it. We'll have to see which way the judge goes. That's Cord Cutter News, uh, that audio courtesy of Cord Cutter News on breaking down the Amazon Bally proposed partnership. Again, needs to be approved. And there's some franchises that are already moving in different directions, including St. Louis Cardinals that are looking at uh, establishing their own network, of course, featuring their own home games. In the silver medal position, a number two sport business story of the week, Peacock's exclusive wildcard game winds up being a glass half full proposition. Yes, smallest of the wildcard audiences at 23 million, but still the most streamed event in American history. The 11, Mahomes, cutting across, Rice brings it in to the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. What an opening drive. And then one, two of fakes, it takes the shot down. Field for Hill, got to come back. Tyreek got it inside the 10, keeps running to the end zone. Touchdown, Tyreek. The TV numbers were great. Yes, Peacock was the smallest. We expected that. It still was about a million more than I thought it was going to be at 23 million. Not the 40 million that watched the Packers upset the Cowboys. Not the 35.8 million Americans, average national audience, who saw the Detroit Lions take out the uh, recently Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. But still... A big success story that'll set the stage for more of that kind of stuff moving forward. 
Our number one story, our gold medal story, though, is a sad one. We'll get into it with Dick Zokel of the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame next. We'll talk Tiger Woods. We'll talk Sports Illustrated next. You're listening to us rate and debate the bulls and bears of sport business on the sport market on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You're listening to the Sport Market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Mayonet. I, I just like there's, he's had he's had ample opportunities to walk away. Like it would have been very easy for him several times. Like when he won after he won in Carolina, after he won twice in Pittsburgh, and he still keeps coming back. So I don't think he's ever lost anything off his fastball. I don't believe that. I think like every general manager, he has his swings and misses. Um, but I think he very much likes doing it. He loves being in the thick of things. Like he's got Alvin there now and he does a lot of the key lifting. Um, I think we all have to make concessions at times. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think that I'm not surprised at all that he wants to stay in the middle of this. Elliot Friedman of the 32 Thoughts podcast and Hockey Night in Canada on this Hockey Day in Canada, talking about the big news on Friday on the West Coast, Jim Rutherford, Stanley Cup champion with the Carolina Hurricanes, Stanley Cup champion with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and president hockey operations for the Vancouver Canucks, gets a three-year contract extension. And this is good news if you're a Vancouver Canucks follower and fan, because it speaks to what this franchise needs is continuity and stability in the front office. And it certainly seems to have that under the leadership of Jim Rutherford. It's a big week hockey. Of course, it's hockey day in Canada anchored out of uh, Victoria, British Columbia, four games back to back to back. Uh, of course, the, the uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time slot being shared by the Habs and Bruins and by the Leafs visiting the Vancouver Canucks. It's also divisional playoff weekend in the National Football League. You've got uh, fans in, in uh, Windsor, Ontario, and, and a lot of southern Ontario uh, really cheering on the Detroit Lions after years of ineptitude. Uh, there you've got the home field advantage at Ford Field, and the Buffalo Bills have an even better home field advantage because they're outdoors at Highmark Stadium. Uh, They're up um, against Patrick Mahomes Jr. and the Kansas City Chiefs. They have never played on the road during the Patrick Mahomes era of the playoffs. They've always had home field. They don't have it this year. See if the Bills can take advantage of that. But it's also a disappointing weekend for baby boomers uh, who have long had connectivity to Sports Illustrated and to golfers who are wondering what's next for Tiger Woods. And we'll get into that first with Dick Zokel of the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. Dick, first of all, thanks for making us part of your weekend. Really appreciate it. Wanted to ask you about what looks like a play by TaylorMade to partner with Tiger Woods and create a new apparel line known as Sunday Red. At least there is a trademark application that has been filed to that end. It it sure seems to make sense. Uh, Tiger ended his 27-year relationship with Nike. He's still got a lot of Tiger in the tank, so to speak. Uh, What do you make of the rumblings that this is the next chapter for Tiger Woods from a merchandising point of view? 
Well, it's good to be with you, Tom. Uh, thank you very much. And yes, there is speculation uh, amongst the golfing world. And Mark Steinberg, uh, Tiger's agent, told Associated Press that they anticipate that there's going to be an exciting announcement at Genesis, which is the, the LA Open. And then t- uh, Tiger tees. He says, yes, there'll certainly be another chapter. See you in LA. But I think the fact that Tiger stands so strong on his principles relating to how he prepares to play in competition. He's pretty adamant about only playing once per month. So I think that was kind of a thing that didn't work for Nike. But uh, I don't see him taking any risks whatsoever by going to another equipment company, company because there's always this gap, even though when you go to equipment and change new equipment, it, it, you, you, you may hit it fine. But uh, once you get into competition, that's where the rubber really hits the road and I don't see he, he's been using TaylorMade. I think it's a natural fit to stay with TaylorMade. He likes the equipment. He can choose his ball that he wants to use. And then they can, they have the horsepower uh, collectively to work something together. So I, I think it's going to be TaylorMade, but with, that's all speculation. We won't know until the announcement at the, um, at the Genesis LA Open. And if it does happen and it does go forward, as is speculated, it appears that Sunday Red uh, will mm. be the, the brand line. Uh, uh, what's your reaction to that? What does that invoke uh, uh, for you beyond the obvious? Well, I think firstly, it is the obvious, and that's always, uh, you know, in branding, what you want to, as soon as you make a mention, I mean, you say uh, Tiger Woods and Sunday Red, you know exactly what that means. It means winning winning major championships and in, in a fashion that's second to none that's ever been in the industry of golf. So that's a natural brand that just makes complete sense. It's already branded before you even you come out of the block. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it, this just makes too much sense for it not to come true. So I'm a big believer that that's what's going to happen. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more with you and certainly as a branding geek Anthony Abrahams and I with Emblematica Brand Builders it's what we uh, live and breathe and the immediate reaction was perfect uh, Sunday Red you can't say it any better uh, I agree with you instead of making another change to another equipment supplier at this stage of the game uh, continue to work with TaylorMade and then essentially I'd expect the terms of reference to be very similar to Michael Jordan Jordan's uh, deal mm. with the Air Jordan brand and Nike, uh, giving him strong royalties on, on all, all sales above and beyond, you know, whatever endorsement fee is paid up front. Uh, I do think that this seems to be, excused upon tailor-made for business success in this next chapter for Tiger Woods. Exactly. It, you know, it, it just couldn't couldn't be more perfect at this time in, in, in Tiger's life and, and tailor-made's you know, significant horsepower as well. They, they, they've got a, they've got a strong market uh, um, piece, whether it be the golf ball and the equipment, and uh, they've been around a long time. And, and like I said, the horsepower of these two, TaylorMade and Tiger Woods, I think it's going to, the royalty things, I think everyone's going to learn from what Michael Jordan did and what his mother did is from a royalty perspective, 5% for the rest of your life. Who knows what, it'll probably be a little bit more than, than, than the royalties for Tiger. But I think it's, um, it's the uh, perfect fit 
for here, here and now. And I think it's the perfect fit for the future as Tiger goes on to, uh, you know, as, as the brand will live for eternity. So we've got the Tiger Woods tailor-made uh, uh, Sunday Red announcement to look forward to. We've got the uh, Live Golf PGA Tour agreement. If it does all come together, as is speculated, uh, uh, in time for the Masters. Uh, so it'll be a busy first calendar quarter on the golf side. The big question is, what will happen to Sports Illustrated this mm-hmm. calendar quarter? Uh, I wanted to ask you about your reaction to the potential demise of Sports Illustrated uh, I my initial reaction was that you don't you're not going to revoke a license unless you still think it has some value, mm-hmm. and that's what Authentic Brands Group did. Um, uh, basically, Arena Group followed suit by saying, "Okay, it's going to lo- lay off its employees." But I do fully expect something to happen here. But if it doesn't, what what has Tiger what has Sports Illustrated meant to you and to golf over the years? Well, Sports Illustrated for anyone who who whatever sport you're in, it it covers all sports and it's such a big brand and such a successful brand. It's hard to think someone won't pick it up and redo it. Like we've seen this in, in the within the golf industry at a smaller level, like the Ben Hogan company, Um, you know, historically every comp, every, every, you know, this, this, when it was, when they were putting out golf equipment, golf ball, it wasn't, it couldn't compete. It, It failed a number of times but it constantly comes back as a as a as a brand that can work, and I think uh, taking a page out of that, Sports Illustrated. Yes, we're all watching and have watched publications change in the evolution of media, and uh, and I think it'll it's too good a brand. I think it will come back in some form. Uh, some will someone will acquire it and and reinvent it rebrand it reestablish it and uh, make it um, applicable into uh, you know today is where uh, you know time has changed from when since sports illustrated started Dick, as always, appreciate the golf's perspectives, appreciate those thoughts on sports illustrated have a terrific rest of the weekend and thanks for joining us my pleasure, Tom. Always good to be with you. He is Dick Zokel of the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame, uh, coming to us from Predator Ridge in Kelowna, British Columbia. Next up, it is Drew Dorweiler, the country's preeminent sport business evaluator. We'll talk some hockey day in Canada and more. Sport Market, rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business. Tough couple weeks for us uh, here um, with uh, the trades we've made, uh, losing um, uh, the players Pascal Siakam, Ogiana Nobi, uh, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn. Um, obviously, we know what these players meant uh, to our program. Uh, incredible, incredible human beings. Um, incredible character. Um, incredible players and what they brought to our franchise. Masai Ujiri, 
very emotional at the post-trade media conference uh, convened by the Toronto Raptors uh, earlier this week. Uh, and certainly, as others have pointed out, just a, a display, a case study of what defines the business of sport as being a little bit different than a lot of other businesses. When you've got team within the context of a, uh, a business imperative, it's always going to be a little bit different than, you know, just working for company A or company B. And you do have to be careful. If you're going to stay ahead of the curve, you got to be careful not to fall in love with your players. As the Montreal Expos were uh, basically accused of doing at some key junctures in their evolution, that they maybe held on a little bit too long. Uh, and that's possibly true here of uh, Masai Ujiri. Uh, he and uh, uh, Bobby Webster probably held on a little bit too long, but now with the departure of Pascal Siakam, all of the 2019 Larry O'Brien trophy holders are now with other teams. They're no longer with the Raptors. Pascal Siakam was the last standout. This is a big weekend for the National Football League. Divisional playoff TV numbers should be strong. Uh, uh, I would say that the, you know three of the four are easy television magnets especially in Southern Ontario. Buffalo Bills have got a lot of fans in Southern Ontario. Uh, the Detroit Lions have a lot of on the 401 corridor there coming out of Windsor. Uh, and then you've got the Heritage Brand Showdown of the Green Bay Packers against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, we'll start there with Drew Dorweiler of IJW and Associates. And of course, we'll get to Hockey Day in Canada and more in just a couple of moments. But uh, Drew, uh, you saw the television numbers for the National Football League. We always talk about heritage brands, national followings as being especially important uh, uh, this time of year. Uh, You know, if you say it doesn't get much better than Green Bay Packers against the San Francisco 49ers, well, it doesn't get much better. But You know, it would have been incredible to see the TV numbers for Dallas Cowboys, San Francisco 49ers uh, uh, showdown in the uh, in the conference final. But here we have the Packers community owned franchise, smallest market against the heritage brand that is a six, six, five time Super Bowl champion, uh, San Francisco 49ers. There's quite a bit on the buffet plate for football fans uh, across the country this weekend. Uh, you know, absolutely. Um, absolutely, Tom. And some, some tantalizing matchups. Um, but I'd, I'd say Green Bay, uh, to me, it might be a small market, but many fans out there, it's, it's analogous to the original six of hockey. I mean, that, that's a true old school team. They won, I believe, the first two Super Bowls. So, yeah, you know, I, 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 as, as, as you're saying, these are two legends uh, facing off against one another. Uh, definitely North America, full of fans of both. Uh, do you have any sort of sport business headlines connected to the National Football League that have been on your mind uh, since the wild card weekend, since the end of the regular season? Uh, anything sort of that you've, you've made note of uh, outside of the parody, outside of the tremendous generational television numbers that the NFL has drawn? Well, um, and I'm not saying this for a laugh, but I, what springs to mind, it's the Taylor Swift phenomenon. I mean, I don't personally I don't listen to her music, but I know a lot of people make jokes about it. But I, it's that you're saying you know, generational interest. I mean, she is raising generational interest of a young generation. 
following the NFL. I think that's huge. That importance cannot be understated. You're getting a lot of people, eyeballs, just watching, okay, it might only be the, uh, the Chiefs and their opponents at any one time. But I think she's had an extraordinary impact on the brand of the NFL. You know, it's interesting. Travis Kelsey, of course, number 87 with the Kansas Chiefs, uh, uh, the uh, uh, subject of her affection. But it's a really interesting story um, of of the woman who's now being granted an NFL license to produce those jersey slash jackets as an NFL licensee. And she was doing it just all you know, in her kitchen table in, in in the sewing room, so to speak. That's another interesting spin-off of the Taylor Swift connection because all that Taylor Swift needs to do is wear that jacket once and it's basically converted into an NFL license. That's how hot it how, how hot it was. It is, yeah, absolutely. And I think I don't recall her who her husband is, but I know he's he's an NFL player as well, the uh, the producer of the jackets. But again, this is to me it's very important because these things they target uh, an audience that probably wouldn't otherwise be paying much attention to NFL. So I, th- I think that's, that's a really interesting story of the season. Well, and just one last NFL point before we talk uh, uh, Sports Illustrated and Hockey Day in Canada, Drew. Uh, Peacock had exclusivity. Pe- Peacock was on three, three wildcard games, uh, but the first two were um, co-broadcast uh, with uh, NBC uh, uh, over the air and, and, and on cable. Then you had the one game, Miami Dolphins at the Kansas City Chiefs, that was exclusive. So first time a playoff game gets streamed only. Uh, to me, it was a success story. Yes, 23 million is the smallest of the wildcard games in terms of audience, but we knew that. But it is double Anything before it in terms of American events video streamed, this is the most streamed event in American uh, history. And to do 23 million, where 20 of that 23 million is basically new subscribers to Peacock, uh, that's the definition of win-win as far as I'm concerned. It is. And again, I'm all for maximizing revenue any way that that sports franchises are able to do it. Um, one one thing, though, personally, my, my view, though, is looking ahead, I think that, just, again, generally speaking, across sports, uh, including in Europe, the whole the whole trend toward um, streaming on many, many different platforms. I mean, an avid sports fan, you know, think of all the, the money on a monthly basis that sports fan is going to have to dish out to catch all the games they like to see. And I think there's, it's going to reach sort of a critical point Mm-hmm. Where it might backfire, where 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 um, sports fans are, you know, they're saying, "Look, I, I, I've spent enough. I'll forego watching certain games." So there might be a bit of a backlash. There's there's no question. They have to be careful how far they push this envelope. And I also feel that they went too quickly, too soon. They could have used another year of cross promotion uh, and really giving their subscribers slash fans uh, more notice in terms of the transition. Uh, I I do think that you know your core fans are your bread and butter, and the way you treat them and respect them is is absolutely essential. So everything moving forward will still have to be, in my opinion. Uh, 
real special consideration. Hey, Drew, uh, let's pivot to Hockey Day in Canada. Uh, you're part of both the uh, Forbes and 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 Sportico uh, franchise valuation lists. So you consult to both of them. Uh, Hockey Day in Canada features uh, in the seven o'clock Eastern, four o'clock Pacific hour uh, two games in which the combined enterprise value is north of $8 billion. You've got the Toronto Maple Leafs at $2.85 bill, according to Forbes, visiting the Vancouver Canucks at $1.32 bill. That's about $4.17 billion of enterprise value on the ice at any one time at Rogers Arena today. And then you've got the Montreal Canadiens sort of north of $2.3, Boston Bruins $2.5. That's almost $5 billion. So during that broadcast window, you've basically got uh, $9 billion of enterprise value. Those are among the very richest teams in all of the National Hockey League. Um, exactly. And I think that's a testament to, uh, in particular, the, what I think is a brilliant idea um, you know, of, uh, that the NHL had, again, tip and hat to Batman, to um, coming up with Hockey Day in Canada. I mean, it's, um, you know, it, it, it celebrates the sport, and it's not just, the, the top end that you're focusing on, but even a lot of, there's a lot of community events that are, are um, organized around that too. And it's just, it's just great. As, as a pure hockey fan, as a Canadian, I mean, it, it's uh, it's the perfect way to celebrate our national sport. I completely agree with you on the concept and I got a big smile on my face. We'll get into it in our last segment this hour of a personal connection between Anthony Abrahams, my business partner at Emblematica Brand Builders and the National Hockey League and the concept of Hockey Day in Canada. But we'll save that for the back end of the show. Uh, I want to get from you. What is the headline of the Canadian teams as they're being showcased today in Hockey Day in Canada. Uh, from a sport business point of view, what's really standing out to you across the Canadian landscape? Uh, well, again, it's just, it, it, it kind of ties the, the, the common thread of our of, of the segment. It's, it's really talking about the iconic teams. And again, the four you mentioned, these are four of the original six. And, you know, again, that, um, all things being equal, I mean, they command the highest value, the highest number of eyeballs, probably... The, you know, the greatest number of fans and you know it, it, ju- it just shows the um, iconic status of a brand the, 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 the solid value that that can that, that can have last one for you drew sports illustrated may or may not be done uh, it certainly is a baby boomer brand it goes back 70 years it's evolved from weekly to bi-monthly to monthly in terms of the magazine and then everything else at si.com when you read the tea leaves here uh, do you see it the way i do that i don't believe this is the end for sports illustrated i've got to think that authentic brands group has someone in mind otherwise they wouldn't have gone to the trouble of revoking the license Exactly. I tried to um, spend some time the last day or two to go looking into really the, the story behind it. And yeah, I don't think, I, I definitely don't think it's the end. I mean, it makes no sense. Uh, a valuable, yet again, iconic brand, you know, that, you know, I certainly, we all, we all grew up with and cherish that magazine. And it's, um, they're not just going to, no sense whatsoever. So they, they may, uh, let, let's see, they may run it themselves. They may spin it off, but I'm, I'm sure that Sports Illustrated, one way or another, will be around for a long time to come. Drew, 
so appreciate taking time out of your busy weekend to be with us. We always appreciate your your insights and uh, certainly look forward to having on the show again sometime real soon. Okay, it's always a pleasure, Tom. And go Bills. <laughs> there we go. See, there's another uh, Canadian uh, resident cheering for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and if you're not cheering for the Bills, you're probably cheering for the once hapless Detroit Lions who are uh, at Ford Field, home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, with an opportunity to get to the NFC Conference Championship. We're talking generational. I believe it's 40 years uh, since that has happened. And then the Buffalo Bills, who went to four straight Super Bowls but lost all of them, uh, trying to slay the dragon that is Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And this time they've got an opportunity to do so at home at Highmark Stadium in Buffalo. Those are definitely two of the featured games along with Green Bay Packers and San Francisco 49ers, a clash of two heritage brands with all kinds of strength in their national fall. When you look at the TV numbers here, uh, they're well beyond Green Bay, Wisconsin, and the Bay Area in Northern California. Next up, we're going to check out our Bulls and Bears this week in the business of sport, we'll also give you a nostalgic view on the origins of Hockey Day in Canada. That's next right here as we're continuing to rate and debate the bulls and bears of sport business on the sport market on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You're listening to the Sport Market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Manette. Second and four. Here's another broken tackle. This is the rookie, Trey Palmer, and he is gone. Touchdown, Buccaneers. Bradbury missed the tackle, and Trey Palmer did the rest. Big weekend number two of the NFL postseason. Some disappointment on a number of fronts. I mean, you always want as competitive games as possible when the stakes are highest. And of course, uh, the NFL playoffs are exactly that. So it was very disappointing to see some of the blowouts and the one-sided. And and even though Dallas came back to within 14, that really was a 32-point margin of victory there in the second of half. Uh, Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers just simply took out the Dallas Cowboys. And it's interesting, the discussion. And and you know me, I'm, I tend to be someone who, uh, how can I say, don't like mid-season coaching changes and don't like coaching changes just for the sake of a coaching change. And you look at Mike McCarthy in two straight years at 12 and 5, you know, <laughs> that would cons- be considered a hair-trigger move in a lot of respects if he had decided to move away from him. But Dallas is Dallas, and the business needs and business imperatives of the Dallas Cowboys as a national heritage brand, as the richest franchise in the National Football League and North American sport and in, and in global sport at $9 billion U.S., according to Forbes magazine, uh, things just happen a little bit differently. They certain, certainly happen differently in Jerry's world. Jerry Jones, owner and uh, essentially the the general manager of the Dallas Cowboys. And I do think it depends on context. And I don't disagree with Stephen A. Smith that if you've got a Bill Belichick available and if he fits your narrative and if you can empower him 
and let him do his thing as opposed to, um, you know, making him claustrophobic and, and taking away control on the player personnel side of things, I think you do it. And certainly your fan base would, for the most part, be there along for the ride with you, in, in my humble opinion. It's time to check out our Bulls and Bears. It's time for the Bulls and Bears of sports business. Winners and losers in the business of sports. The fast-rising stocks and the ones who've fallen. NFL television numbers are part of what we're bullish on this week. We've already profiled the Peacock exclusive game, video streaming only, as part of our silver medal story on the Sport Market Podium, funded by Alpine Credits. Uh, we're giving it some additional uh, consideration as part of our Bulls and Bears because this was a terrific week. Yes, the Peacock was the lowest watched of all of them, but we knew that that was coming. It was streamed only, and baby boomers and middle generation fans aren't as apt to do a subscription or to do something off their devices as millennials and younger fans are. I look at the overall numbers, though. 40 million average national audience for Dallas Cowboys being beaten by the Green Bay Packers. 35.8 million, the average national audience that watched the Detroit Lions uh, take out the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, those are significant numbers, and they average. The six wildcard games averaged 30 million viewers in the United States. That is a good start to the Super Bowl tournament. And typically, good ratings at the beginning translate into good ratings at the end. It's also a big week, a bullish market for Canadian teams in the National Hockey League. It is Hockey Day in Canada. Check out where four teams are. Four of them are currently in playoff position, in divisional playoff position. And another one, the Calgary Flames, are just three points out of the second wild card. You could have five Canadian teams in playoff position by the end of this weekend. And that's a pretty that's pretty good stuff. If you're a Canadian TV rights holder, radio rights holder, NHL sponsor, merchandiser, or pub or sports bar owner. Our bears of the week, the biggest losers in the business of sport and this is a big if, but it would be Arena Group for its mismanagement of the Sports Illustrated brand to the point where Authentic Brand Group has basically revoked the marketing license. Uh, Arena Group say has bounced back to say it's in discussions with uh, ABG to figure out a solution, but they emailed on Friday their entire uh, a staff directory saying that there'd be layoffs that could include all of the employees. I personally believe there's another chapter here for Sports Illustrated. I, I, I can't believe it ends this way. And why would you revoke a license if it didn't have any value? Those are our bulls and bears, NHL, NFL on the bullish side of things, and the Sports Illustrated story on the bearish side of things. Uh, Sports Illustrated, long-form journalism might not have as much of a marketplace as it had back in the day, but if you're going to go for long-form journalism, there's still no better bet than Sports Illustrated. We've had you along for the ride along with 
Dick Zockel of the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame, Drew Dorweiler of IJW and Associates. Uh, we've uh, checked in on our podium of the top three sport business stories of the week. Uh, we certainly appreciate uh, you being along for the ride on this big Hockey Day in Canada weekend. All I'll say is, it is a great idea to do Hockey Day in Canada. The NHL one-upped my business partner, Anthony Abrahams, and I, we made a proposal that the NHL play all of its Canadian teams together the same weekend, the same day. And the concept was thanks for giving on October 11th each year. NHL moved it to an even better place for Hockey Day in Canada, and the NHL did it as Hockey Day in Canada. That's where good ideas begin. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy Hockey Day in Canada.